to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. chapter 2. We're starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interest of others. And we talked about when we discussed that area is just, again, it's, it's being open and looking towards others, not being so just mindful of my, what is going on within my own life. It's, it's the fact that we need to be, um, laying our lives down. I mean, again, there's a world that needs what we have. You know, I think it's, um, David Crowder had a song that, you know, he is the cure. Jesus is the cure. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a disease, a sin disease that we have. Jesus is the cure to that. Now again, as we've just prayed, it doesn't mean that my whole life is gonna be just hunky-dory and I get all green lights and every door is open for me and, you know, all that kind of, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that I have peace and that I know where I'm going and I have somebody that I can go to, I have a counselor that I can talk to. Well, who shows this? And it says, moves on in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12 says, Therefore be my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works both in you to do in, in, in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among you among whom you shine as the lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have been not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the, in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, but not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how things go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall come to you shortly. Yet I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my fellow, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, 
but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard he was, that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, then that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to the supply that was lacking in your service towards me. And so last week again we talked about and we, we, we spoke about Jesus being just the ultimate example of what it was to be humble in your service. We, we looked at the verse before that. It had talked about how it was so important for us in verse uh, 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so this, as Paul moves on in verse 5, then he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so what he's saying is, then he goes into the example of what Jesus Christ did, and that we talked about last week of, of where did Jesus come from? Do you guys remember that? Was he, did he actually exist only in Bethlehem? And we talked about that. No. Jesus was there from the beginning of time. Jesus actually was there and helped create everything. He was there at the very beginning. When he was there, when God spoke. And everything happened. We talked about it. And we looked at it in Colossians. We looked at it in John. And we talked about how he was became, the word became flesh. And that flesh was Jesus Christ. So as, as Jesus had, had ultimately shown what the example of, was to be humble, is to come from a, a place of godhood that he set aside his, his, his deity. Again, remember, he didn't get rid of his deity. Well, that would be impossible. He couldn't do that if he was God. So he was now in the form of man setting aside his powers to do the will of what the Father asked him to do. It was amazing to sit there and look at that and go, you know, again, we, we, I use the example of Aladdin and, and just how you would be willing to, to take your, your kinghood or your princessness and to be able to walk with the, the fellow, you know, the countrymen, but then immediately you're going to go back to your palace that night and you're going to be living it up still. But Jesus actually walked with us. And he actually was reliant on Joseph and Mary to, to take care of him, to feed him. Jesus got hungry. Jesus sweat. Jesus wept. Jesus had to work. I mean, Jesus was, was really at the point that he humbled himself down into that position. And so as Paul's saying this, he's saying, look, Jesus was, it was an amazing, he showed exactly what it was to be humble. And to the point where you had God of, of all the universe and of all creation, he was sitting there and he was, he was washing the feet of the disciples. I mean, again, just the humbleness that Jesus was able to do. Why? Because he was showing the disciples, this is what I'm asking you to do. And as we move into verse 12 today, today it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in, in both you to will and to do good, to do for his good pleasure. And so therefore, again, in light of what we learned about Jesus last week, it's, it says here, always obeyed. It, and, and this is probably better stated as, as even as you have been obedient. It's not that they've always obeyed. I mean, we've got kids, so we know that they don't always obey. But it's the point of the fact that even as you've been obedient, even as you've walked through your life and even as you've, you've done the things that you've, you've learned from me and as you've, you've looked into the scriptures and you've taken in from the Lord, you've just always, always, you just kind of done it. And, and just, I, I look at you and I'm telling you, man, I appreciate that. 
To obey it is, is to hearken to a command, to be obedient unto, submit to. Well, who did we see this in? Remember, we just read, we, we saw this in Jesus. That Jesus was willing to submit to the Father. Again, I joked about it last week that they didn't take a vote. You know, it wasn't God the Father and the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we, we, we vote Jesus to go down there. It was the fact that Jesus knew from the very beginning that this is exactly what I was going to do. And that I was going to submit and I was going to obey to do the calling of what the Father asked me to do. And Paul looks at this church, the Philippian church, and says, these are the things that I see within you guys. It's wonderful. Just from the time that I've been there with you to going away and getting different things, man, I just love the fact that you guys, you've always obeyed. Isn't that something that you want to just hear? Isn't that something that you want to have as your church go, man, they may be small. You know, again, do you guys remember the story Pastor Don talks about that they were at Lifeway or Christian, I don't know what the story was before that, but somebody was working there and Bert, Mr. Bert Wiseman, Mr. Wiseman, you guys are all adults, Bert was talking about how the fact that um, he was looking for a church. And he's like, you know, I just want a church that, that just, just studies the Bible. Oh, you want that church? Well, here, go to Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship. It wasn't the fact that, well, you know, I want a church that's got this and got this. And again, I'm not here to bash churches. I mean, every church, the parts of the body, go for it, do what you feel the Lord has called you to do. But he was like, you know, you just want that? Oh, well, if you just want the word, man, go see Pastor Don at Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship. That's what you're going to get. I mean, what a reputation that you have. You know, that you can sit there and go, well, I know one thing we're going to do this week. Okay, we may not have smoke, we may not have rock wall, we may not have all these other things, but you're going to you know, worship in the Word. You know, you're going, to, you're going to open the Bible today and you're going to get exactly what the Lord has given us. Isn't that a great reputation to have? Well, that's what we have. So it's not only in my presence only, but not much more in my absence. And like what Paul states here is the fact that it's more important to me that you're obeying, but also I love the fact that I don't have to just be there to know that that's actually when you're acting good. Okay, again, it's a point where Pastor Don is not here right now, and it's, a, it's, it's when Pastor Don shows back up, well, that's when we all show up on time. You know, we're here at 10 o'clock, and we're, you know, we're not here drinking Starbucks and, you know, popping bonbons during service. It's, it's the fact that he can leave and know that whether in my presence or not in my presence, guess what's happening? Church. Church is happening. Why? Because we got together and we're opening the word and we're pouring into each other. We're praying for each other. We're worshiping and we're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. That's, isn't that what church is supposed to be? Well, a, again, it comes back to character of who you are. John Wooden said, <clears throat> John Wooden, the UCLA, UCLA basketball men's coach back in, I think it was the 70s, won like 50 national championships in a row or something like that, but probably regarded as the greatest basketball coach college of all time. But he said one time, he said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. And so again, the the test of a character, the character is, is who you are when nobody's looking. Again, we can all come in here and praise the Lord. Everything's wonderful. Oh, we're doing great. How's your life? Great. How's your life? It's wonderful. Everybody's life is wonderful when you come to church. And it's all hogwash. Why? Because I know my life's not wonderful. Okay, so if I started talking to you guys and started, well, you're you're having a hard time? Well, man, can I tell you what's going on in my life? This is what's going on in my life. And then we start sharing. But it's a point of don't just give out that reputation. Just don't worry about your reputation. Be honest. And as you work, work as if you're working under the Lord. You know, so work out your own salvation here, says Paul says, you look, it's, it's, it, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
And again, this isn't working out your salvation like, okay, Kevin, wait, I've always thought it was by grace that we were saved. Now you're telling me I've got to work it out, I've got to do some works? No, 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 it's not that at all. You are still saved by grace. We know that in Ephesians 2, correct? I mean, you guys are are students of the Bible. We know that we don't earn our salvation. This is not a new way to get saved. This is more of, as, as God works in us, we work out. Okay, so you take the, God, God does the work, He comes inside of you, He saves you, you're like, wow, this is incredible. Well, now I gotta turn that around, I gotta, I gotta work that out. Now I get to take it to other people. Now I get to do the work. Remember James, we studied what was the big thing in James? Be doers of the word. Don't just be sitters of the word, be doers. Get out there and, and do things for Jesus. Wherever that he's called you at. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter if you're on up here and you're actually giving a message. It doesn't matter if you're worshiping. You know, you're up on the stage doing that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at. All parts are equal. Again, I've told you before, the, the speaker gets way too much credit. You know, the, just because I have a voice and I'm up here, I get too much credit. Well, it's Pastor Ken. Well, no, really. Talk to my family. It's not, I'm not special. I've just been given a talent to be able to stand up here. It doesn't make my talent more valuable than somebody else's. You know, again, I saw one of our, our, our one of my friends, he was after service, he was talking to a homeless man outside. Okay, I mean, is that a talent? To me, that's a talent. To me, that's a greater talent than standing up here. Why? Because up here, that's less fearful than walking up to somebody outside. I, that just is not, that's not something I, my thing. Now I'll do it. If the Lord has, has called me to do it, and quite honestly, when he calls me to do something and I'm like, mm, he just makes me really uncomfortable. You know, like I get the cold sweats and I get the, you know, the, and if I'm really bad, then everybody who's talking to me, they're like, it's gibberish. I can't understand what they're saying. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll go do it. And I'll go do what he's called me to do like 15, 20 minutes ago. But to me, that's a greater talent and where I would lift that up. And then that person would be like, what? I just, I just did it. Why? Cause God asked me to do it. I enjoy doing it. This is not a praise to anybody. If you're using the gifts and you're using the talents that the Lord has given you, praise the Lord, not praise you. Isn't that the beautiful thing about it? So again, as he moves on, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the salvation is, is the works in like we've talked about, but it's, it's, it's one, one person said it was salvation is worked in believers by the spirit who enables them through the faith to be justified once and for all. But in, it, it needs as a progressive work to be worked out by obedient through the help of the same spirit unto perfection. Well, what does that mean, Kevin? It means that, again, as, as we rely on the Spirit to come within us to be able to save us, and again, it's by faith that we've been saved. Again, if you go on from that, that verse in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it's to do the works that He's called us to do. We go out and it's in. It's not, it's not Kevin doing these works. It's actually the Holy Spirit that comes through us. So again, the Holy Spirit gives us the talent. He gives us the ability. He gives us the nudge. And we go out and we do exactly what call, God's called us to do. Well, he says it when fear and trembling. Well, that just means that you have a respect for God and what he's called you to do. I, I sit there and I don't, I don't look at God and, and I'm so fearful and I have a trembling. And, oh, God's going to knock me in the back of the head with a stick and he's just a mean daddy. You mean the God who, who sent his son to die on the cross for me and who bled on a cross, who took a beating before that and died for my sins is going to be a mean daddy? I just don't understand the concept of, of what the world views God at his time is that, oh, he's just standing there and he wants to hurt you. Now, my God, my God loves me. 
He loved me so much that he was willing to send his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall receive everlasting life. I mean, that's a loving God, is it not? And then my God who loved me so much and filled me with enough faith to believe in him. That's that's an amazing God. That's a loving God. Now, again, as as I go through life and God says, nah, you may want to get back over here, and he might nudge you over here and nudge you over here, that's not that he's being a mean God. It means that God loves me and just wants to protect me. And he wants to watch over me. And he wants the very best for me. But ultimately, I'm to live for him and wherever that he's called me to go. For God who works in both you to will and to do for his good works. Well, how do we see God doing this? Well, the first thing, God works. It's, it's a verb there. The word works is, it's to be active. It's to, it's to be operative. It's, God is, is sovereign, but we work as if we're working under the Lord, correct? So it's not a point where we're just robots and we just kind of walk through life and, you know, I am a saved, I'm saved, I am a Christian, I am a Christian. We're not robots when we walk through life. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I still have free, free will. You know, I think as you become more and more of a Christian, you realize, I really don't want free will, God. Could you just kind of help me out with this? Because I make a lot of dumb mistakes, and I don't want free will anymore. And God's like, but I want you to have free will. I want you to have choices, and I want you to to be able to to grow. It's kind of like, you know, we went college shopping last Thursday, and, you know, you look at your your kids, and you're like, you know, we're they're going to have free will, you know? And you're like, but... No, they don't, shouldn't have free will. You know, we'll just keep them in a little bubble and where they're nice and safe, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but at the same time, you look at them and you're like, you're excited for them. You're like, no, I want you to spread your wings. I want you to be all that you possibly can be. And I want to just see that. So you, you struggle with both sides of it. God doesn't struggle with it. He's like, look, I already know what you're going to do. Just go. But, but we as parents, we look at that and that's the illustration is just like, ah, man, I, I don't want free will at times. But I want to, I want to, since I do, I want to do everything that I do, and I want to work as if I'm working for the Lord. Everything that I do in life, I just want to, I just, I'm working for God now. I'm not working for, for you guys this morning. I'm giving a message to the Lord. You know, when we leave here today and we go home and you do whatever chore you're doing or you're relaxing, just do it for the Lord. When you go to work tomorrow morning and, and you just, your, your boss is saying something, you're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. And just remember that so that when you give your best and you're like, oh, I'm going to cut corners today. I'm going to kind of take it easy. Boss isn't looking. I'm going to, oh, you're, you're, you're cutting corners on God. That shouldn't be your testimony. I mean, if God was really your boss, you'd be like, man, I'm there. My work hour is at nine. I'm there at 845. I'm ready to go. And I'm giving him a full eight and a half hours today. Why? Because it's God. If he wants overtime, I'm giving it to him. He didn't have to pay me extra. You know, I mean, it would just be like, let's just go for it. We don't do that. So God works. It's an active. So we are supposed to be active in what he's called us to do. It's, it's God is working this. It's, it's to will, to do his will. To, it's the thoughtful. It's purposeful. It's a purposeful choice. It's, it's not just by mere whim or emotional desire. We're not just by mere whim going to go do something. We realize that we have fallen short of the mark. We have a desire for, for righteousness and we want greater holiness. It's, it's not something that we, we self-motivate for ourselves and we get us ourselves all round up to do. It's, it's a desire. It's, it's both ways, but it comes from the Lord. And so this, this will, this desire to, to go out and to do stuff for the Lord is, it's, it's not the fact that I just get myself all worked up in a, in a, in an emotional thing to go out there and do it. It's, it's the fact that I just see all that God has done for me. 
And I just see how much I want to give back to him. And so when Paul's sitting here and he says, you know, for God it works in both you to will, man, it's just the desire. I just want to, I just want to do stuff for God. I don't want to make my life just to be that I worked a nine to five and it had no impact on my community or my family or my name. I, I did nothing. Well, see, that's not the will that I have with God works into my will. He's changed it to say, Kevin, man, I just, I want you to do more. And I receive that. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And then I, I go, man, I want to do more for God. God, how do I do that? How do I get out of this? Well, and then it's, it's to do. It's to, it's to, it's to work. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, again, that's an amazing verse because it's in, it's from the beginning of time, God said, man, I've got these jobs that I can't wait for Kevin to get to. You know, again, it's, it's, it's college shopping. It's, I've got all these different plans that I, I can't wait to see, you know, when Jonathan heads out there in two years or Ashlyn in three, man, they're, they're, they're going to meet this friend over here and they're going to, they're going to take the, I mean, it's just going to be exciting. We're just ready to see what the things that are going to happen within that. And just the, the work that's going to happen and it's going to continue to move forward. What an exciting time that is, isn't it? So you sit there and you look at it and you're like, wow, Lord, well, what have you got for me today? Cause, cause I know that you've got something for me and you just, the wheel comes within you and the work comes out of you and you're just ready to go. God, you've just done so much. I can't wait to give back to you. And why, why do we do any of this? Well, we saw back in verse 11, it was to the glory of God the Father of why Jesus did it, right? Well, for us, in verse 13, it says, for his good pleasure. It's only for God that we do this. Again, like I said the last couple of weeks, it's not, it's not so that, you know, if I go down to the DR that they've got a big statue of Kevin, you know, saying like this, you know, whatever, come to me. You know, it's, it's not come to Kevin, it's come to Jesus. And so the fact that, that with the things that we do just give him good pleasure. That whatever I do within my life, Lord, what is it that you want to do? Man, I just, I just want to call, give you good pleasure. And so when my friend talks to the homeless person, or, or if I come up here, or, or Christine in the band comes up here and plays, or, or you witness to that person at work, or you, you pray for that person that, that needs help today that we've prayed for, why do we do that stuff? It's just for his good pleasure. The only reason we do any of these things is so that God would get the glory. That's the reason that you live. Verse 14, it says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you, sh- you shine as lights in the world. And so as we move on here, it says Paul continues to encourage them. And, and just, again, I, I think we're going to address this complaining and fighting here in, in chapter 4 when there's two ladies that are kind of going at it. And, and I think what he's saying here is just the complaining is, is it murmuring? If you've got the King James, I think it actually says murmuring here. And, and murmuring kind of sounds like it complaining, doesn't it? If you murmur, 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 it just sounds like somebody's complaining. So I think it's the perfect word here. It's just the fact that it's, it sounds like it, it's, it's a secret dis- displeasures. It's just secret displeasures. You know, have you guys ever heard that before? You know, sometimes it's called gossip. You might want to even say gossip on that. There's disputing here is, is deliberate, deliberating. It's questioning about what, it's questioning about what is true. And so as you've got this, this complaining and this, 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 this disputing of what's going on, it kind of be like right now with Pastor Don not here. 
as much, you know, <laughs> very little. It wouldn't be, it would be kind of like that, wouldn't it? Couldn't we have just some, some disputing and some murmuring going behind the scenes and just like, oh, you know, it's, I heard he's not coming back. Oh, I heard Kevin kind of pushed him out of the way. Oh, I heard this. And so, well, they didn't do this anymore. They used to do this when Pastor Don was here. And well, they used to play this song when Pastor Don was here. Now they don't play this song. I mean, just that murmuring and that disputing and all that does, it's just backstab. It, to me, it's pride. It's just pride in you that you're sitting there and you're putting your thoughts and your desires first, but then you're not being man or woman enough to sit there and go, hey, you know what? There's some things that I've seen. And you come to the actual person and talk to them about it. Hey, is Don, Pastor Don coming back? Yes, he's coming back, you know? And so it's not a point where we're hiding anything. It's not a point where anybody sits here, but it's just the fact that that is how churches break up. That's how families break up. That's how just the, the body of Christ just gets ripped. You know, and, and, and it just torn apart. And again, when anything like that happens, is it the church that rips apart? No, it's Christ that does. It's Him. We are the, we are the body of Christ. And so anytime there's division like that, anytime that there's arguing like that, it's Christ the one that gets hurt. I mean, you can, you can say stuff about me and I may or may not, you know, take offense to it. I probably wouldn't. I'd be like, whatever. And, um, but you know, you can say that. But again, ultimately it's, it's Christ. So that this disputing and this murmuring, and he's saying, guys, look out in your church, man. You know, I've heard just a couple things. You gotta got a good church, but you know, there's some, there's some stuff going on there. And I'm telling you right now, do all things without complaining. And so when you're out there and you're doing this work, I'm telling you right now, man, just, just, just watch that. Just be honest with those people. Be honest with that leadership that I've placed above you. So that you may, why? So that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. Now, blameless and harmless, it doesn't mean they're not sin. They don't have, they're, they're sinless. Oh, the church of Philippi is just sinless. No, it doesn't mean that. I mean, it doesn't mean our church is sinless. It means the fact that you're, you're blameless, you're free from fault, that there's a desire in your heart that the things that I'm doing, I'm not trying to sin. I'm not trying to do these evil things. It's a point where you look in your life and say, man, I'm really trying to walk the walk the best that I can. Do I stumble at times? Do I make mistakes at times? Yes, but but listen, man, I, I'm really, I'm trying to be free from fault. One commenter say, commentator said, without either the repute or the mischief or the inclination to do it, that you get to such a point within your life that, man, it's just, it's just easy to do the right thing. I think it's a gift from the Lord, too. I, I think for the most part of my life, and I know for Christine, too, it's just, you know, there's just certain things I am not tempted to do. I just never have been. I just, I just, no, that's not the right thing to do. You just don't do it. That's even before I walked with the Lord. I'm like, that's just, why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense to me that why would you live in that kind of a manner of life? It just, so I think that that was a gift from the Lord. And, and sometimes it's easier for some than others to do that. So I think sometimes it's a struggle. Why? Because either the, the environment that you grew up in, I think sometimes it's just the environment that you're in now. Sometimes it's think it's your own flesh. Sometimes your flesh is like, no, I really like that. I'm, I'm having a hard time giving that up. I'm saying right now, Paul's saying, look, I want you to be different from everybody else. It was on First Thessalonians 3.13. He's talking to the church in Thessalonica. It says, so that when, so that he may establish Jesus, may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so it's the same thing. It's the blameless and the holiness. And so it's the fact that, you know, Paul's telling them, look, I'm letting you know right now, I just want you guys to be as perfect as possible so that when he calls us, you're not in the middle of doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know, and you're doing something that you know is wrong, and all of a sudden you hear that trumpet, 
And you're like, oh, oh, you know, I mean, it's a God's calling me out and I'm doing this. Are you serious? What am I doing this for? Of all days, God's calling me out of here and I'm in the middle of this sin that I shouldn't be in. Gosh, hey, God, I don't think I'm a faithful servant right now. And he says, still love you. But is that the reputation that you want? Is that the time that you want to see God is when, when you're doing that? He says, prepare your hearts. Again, as we talked earlier about, you know, again, it's with us. It, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're you're locked into a good and perfect life. There are still decisions that you have to make. And there's still choices that you have to make to allow your heart to go down to an area that it shouldn't be at. Spurgeon said, it said, be ye blameless and harmless, says the apostle. The Greek word might be translated as hornless, meaning no horn up here. As if you were to be creatures not only that do not harm, but could not do any, like a sheep that not only will not devour, but cannot devour. For it were contrary to their nature. For they have no teeth which to bite, no fangs which to sting, and no poison which to slay. Does it mean that you're just a, you're, you're an animal and you got no horn up here, so you can't even stab anybody? You got no teeth really to, did you, just as you walk through life, you're just not that person. And you know, we've all come across people like that that are just, you're like, man, that dude is scary. You know, I mean, I'm just nervous that he's gonna say something to me or he's gonna beat me up or, or just, and that's a Christians. You know, I mean, you just, you see these people and you're like, ouch, back down. You know, where's the love of Jesus? Well, why is this important? It's so important so that we hold fast the word of life so that we may rejoice in the day of, of Christ. That I have not run in the, in, in vain and labored of, in, or labored in vain. Why is it important? It's important so that we shine for Jesus. So we live our life as, as light for this dark and wicked world. Again, is there a difference in you and, and the life that you lived, live around those unsafe people? Again, as, as you live this life, this is a witness to those that are around you that don't know Jesus. So as Paul showed us Jesus as the example now within Jesus, you know, he shows this example that we're supposed to be that example to this world. So as Jesus was the example to us, now we're supposed to be that example to the people in this world. Well, how does, again, does this work out? It works out with me at work. It's, it's that I have more integrity that, than those that I do business with. You know, my business has actually changed the integrity of those businesses that we work with. You know, again, they're not all evil and, and wicked, but they're the world. And so they would cut corners where they could cut corners. They would kind of tell some of the truth at times. And, and so the integrity that we have when we have people trying to sell us cars and there's a, a way to get around the titling so your name is not on that, the one mechanic will say, hey, don't bring those, those cars to them. Don't, don't do it. He actually protects us. Why? Because of the integrity that we've given out to other people. And so, again, it's, it's something where, where we've been called too honest. I've told you that before, too, that, oh, that business, they're, they're too honest. You know, again, it's like, I thought you were either honest or not honest. I didn't know that you could be too honest, you know? So, again, it's it, whether you're too honest or there's no there's no cuss words. We don't, I mean, there's no cussing, in which, again, the car business is, is an amazing thing, but it's it's one of those things where there's it just doesn't happen. It just It's not something that you regularly hear. I mean, you might hear it from the other side, but, I mean, nothing coming from us on our side. I can remember working at UPS years ago, and 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 the same thing is that there would be people there that would would stop mid word and stop it and use a different word because they knew who I was. And it gets and it's not like I sat there and said, "And Jesus, name, you know, I wasn't preaching. I mean, I was in no place to position to to preach at the time, but 
But again, it's just my reputation had gone out. And so this light that, that we get to shine, that we get to shine, it, it, it's for all of us. So again, where do you work at? Is this the reputation that you have? Again, if, if you're working as if you work unto the Lord, am I giving them the full eight hours that they deserve? I mean, your boss deserves eight full hours of your work time. I mean, whatever schedule you're scheduled, that's what they deserve. It doesn't mean that it's, well, this is me time. No, no, your me time is, is either your lunch or your break time or after work. They deserve that. Why? Because, again, I'm not working for, for them. I'm working under the Lord. Why? So that I can be a witness in this dark world of who, what the difference between a believer, somebody who loves Jesus Christ, and then just the world. Am I going to skirt some of this stuff? Am I going to cheat a little bit here? Am I going to add an extra 15 minutes on my time card that I really... No, don't do that. Allow the Lord to be glorified through the things that you do so that you can honor Him. And I trust you, God will honor that as well. He'll look at you and He promises already that your needs will be met. Anything that you have need of, I provide. You'll never have that worry. I mean, your wants aren't protected, but but your needs, I'll provide them. I promise you I will do that. I mean, Jesus, again, didn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus didn't have a place to be buried. He had to borrow a donkey to come into town. I mean, all these things that that even the, the, the Son of God didn't have, but he was provided for, he was taken care of. How much more do you think he'll take care of us as well? How about you? Verse 16 says, Holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And Paul looks on him and says, You know, let me, let me look on the works that you guys have done and just let me see that there was value to the things that I did. Let me see the, the, the fruits of my labor that I have poured into you. That the race that I ran, it wasn't in vain. And, and, I, and I don't think that he's trying to take, to boost up his, his own personal pride or anything like that. I think it's, it's the same as, as a dad. You know, I look at my kids and, you know, you, you want to be able to look at them and, and just be, I guess, proud of the things that they've done. The things that they're, where they're going and the opportunities that they have. I mean, you just kind of want that, don't you? I mean, you don't want to look at your kid and go, yep, I raised a dirt. He's nothing. No, you don't want that. Paul's looking at them as his kids and he says, man, I, let me look at you. Let me look at you and just be, let me just take it in. Let that be my offering unto the Lord. I mean, just, just be happy in the things that you, and just the race that you guys are running and just, so that then your encouragement is to me as well to be able to, to fight the fight that I have to fight as well. The same thing happens with us as we get together as other believers and, you know, you just kind of get to share and you get to, to get to pour into each other and encourages somebody else. Wow, you were able to do, man, that's awesome to hear. Maybe, maybe God could do something like that in my life. Maybe God could work in my life and, and it just encourages us to, to, to maybe fight the fight just a little bit longer. You know, Kevin, I'm tired. Yeah, but man, I get around somebody else and they just kind of recharge you and you get fired up and you're like, man, you know what? I, I am ready to do something for Jesus today. The world's trying to beat me down, but Paul says, let me, let me rejoice in the things that you're doing. 
We've got Jesus as an example, and, and Paul is, is using the Philippian, Philippian church as an example of, of service, and, and, and I use you guys this morning as an example as well, too. And he'll move on in, in verse 19, and he brings up Timothy, and it says, But I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, and not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character and that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. And as soon as I see you, see how it goes with me. But I trust that I will in the Lord that I myself shall come to you shortly. And he brings up Timothy. And we talked a little bit about Timothy when we started the book um, four or five weeks ago. And, and just again, how Timothy was just much more than just a disciple of his. And Timothy was, was much more than just a friend or a confidant of his. And I mean, Timothy is, he, he literally has been there for Timothy his whole life, just about. It's, it's believed that, that, um, Paul brought Timothy to the Lord. He was raised by his mother and his grandmother and grew up as a, in Jewish background and I believe a Greek dad. And, and so to, to come to know the Lord through Paul and then to be able to serve with Paul throughout the years. And so again, as you can you imagine, just it's just uh, again, you have different sets of people that you could have been as the disciples with Jesus, and just being able to listen to Jesus and you know around the fire, you know, for three years, three and a half years, and just have Jesus just pouring into you and just answering any question. But yeah, but Rabbi, what about this? And then Jesus, who has all knowledge, just pours into them. It's just amazing. And then, and then for to be like a Timothy and to just be there with Paul and just to walk with Paul and, and to hear Paul talk and to, to be able to ask questions. Last, you know, now Paul, Paul, when you said this, why did you say that? Why did you use these words instead? And Paul would sit there and explain, well, well, Timothy, what I was trying to do is to show them this. I mean, can you imagine? And then, and not only that, but then to be able to, again, as we're talking about a proven character, a walk, he's able to look at Paul and go, Paul really walks the walk. Paul is genuine in his faith and how he, he works as if he's working to the Lord. I mean, he's not just writing that to Colossians. I mean, this, this guy is really, he's a hard worker. He's willing to do whatever he has. If I need to be a tent maker today, I'm a tent maker. I'm going to the, you know, the, tonight I'll have a Bible study tonight. I'm going to work hard today. And then, you know what? And then if I've got money where I don't have to work, then that's great. Then I'm still going to go work today for the Lord. And so as Timothy is raised up around this, he just, he continues to look at Paul and what a, what a great example Paul is to the point where Paul looks at him and says, you know, this is my, it's my son in the faith. Now, I don't, he's not my real son. He's not my real blood. But if he was my real blood, man, I couldn't imagine a better son than Timothy. He's been there with me all the way. He's, he's done everything. And to the point, man, I, you know, he says here, for I have no one, no one like-minded. I bet you honestly that Timothy and Paul, he probably, Timothy spoke almost exactly like Paul. It's almost like they just, it was just his daddy just, he just knew exactly what Paul was going to say at certain times. And he says, I'm like-minded. I mean, Timothy is me. If I send Timothy to you, it's it's like having me there. Because I've got nobody else that will sincerely care for you. I, I didn't realize, that's, that's a bold statement, is it not? I mean, do you know who traveled with Paul? Okay, so I have no one like-minded. Who traveled with Paul? You've got Luke traveled with Paul. You've Silas. 
You have some men that traveled with Paul, and maybe it was just at that moment I have nobody. I'm just saying there's a lot of character within Timothy, even if he was comparing him to be equal with Luke. Timothy had a strong character who he was. Because he didn't say he's one of these men that I've got that are like-minded to me. He was a son in his faith. He was his right-hand man, and he held him in high regard. And, and Paul's giving him a, 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 a testimony here so that when he gets there, the Philippians are a comfort knowing that, well, I don't have Paul. But man, we've got Timothy here. Timothy's going to come in and he's going to do Bible studies. He's going to pour into us. He's going to meet the the the, the homeless and the, those that have, have have needs, and he's going to pray for the. We've got we've got Timothy here, and they knew who he was. He said, "You know, you know, but you know of his proven character. That he served with me and his fellows in the gospel." He says, I send him to you and I hope that I, I can be with him. I, I think that Paul really believed that he was going to get out of jail soon and be able to go with him. But, but just in case, if I send him to you, I want to hear those good words. I want to hear what's happening there. Timothy, a faithful servant. So we've got Jesus as a servant. We've got their church as a servant. We've got us as a servant. We've got Paul as a servant. We've got Timothy. Move on to Epaphroditus and says, Yet I considered it necessary to send you to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and only on him but also on me, as lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of the Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. And Epaphroditus here is is from their church he's from Philippi and and obviously as you can see that he he got on the mission field. You know he was excited probably just you know, he'd done his support. He was all excited to get sent off and they prayed for him and, and he heads out and he gets to Rome and he catches something. I don't know if it was the drinking the water, you know, maybe that's, and we experienced that going out of country and, and, um, you catch something and, and it's just, it's not good and almost to the point of death. You've got Epaphroditus who, who is on the mission field again, serving the Lord. And again, it's interesting. Paul was able to heal people. You remember, if you've seen through Acts and all, I mean, he's able to do the healing, but for some reason, the Lord said, no, I, I want Epaphroditus to go through this this time. I mean, ultimately, the Lord healed him because he's not dead, so, I mean, it's not that. But again, it's at a point where Paul had touched other people and they were healed, but in this case, Epaphroditus had to go through this experience. And I think for us, as an encouragement, or not an encouragement, but a, a point of just continuing to, to, to push on is sometimes we pray. Sometimes we pray that the Lord will take something away from us and the Lord says, no, I want you to go through the journey. I want you to go through this storm that I have in your life. A year or so ago, we, we studied Joseph and just the, the struggles that Joseph went through being, you know, almost killed, sold into slavery, um, thrown out of Potiphar's household, being in jail, almost being released from jail, staying in jail. I mean, it was a point in his life of 16 years. You not know, think Joseph prayed consistently? Lord, why am I here? 
I've done nothing wrong but serve you. The Lord allowed him to go through that trial. And so many times in my life, I'm going to speak for you guys, you know, I've prayed about it for a couple days and I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what the Lord's doing. I've prayed two days, you know, I mean, come on. I gave you 48 hours, God, what are we doing here? He's saying, I want you to go through it. Obviously, 48 hours isn't enough to, to draw you closer to me to where I want you to be at. And maybe Epaphroditus had to go through something to, to, to the point where he needed to just be able to draw closer to the Lord. And I love also the line that, that Paul puts in here. It says that, you know, because of the work, and he says, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, verse 29, and hold such men in esteem. And so hold such men in esteem. Why? Because he was willing to die for the Lord. I think that that's an important thing. And, and I've, I've said this before too. I think it's more important, you know, in, in Romans 12, Paul says to be a, a living sacrifice. I think for us today is, yes, it was be held high esteem if, if one of us were to die for the faith. We were a martyr. That's, that's an amazing accomplishment and not something that everybody strives for. Obviously, we all want to live, but if the Lord called you to make that decision, if you were in a position to be in that position, Hopefully you would choose to, to not turn your back on the Lord. But I think the thing that we can all do is we can all be living for the Lord and be willing to be a living sacrifice for Him. And I think that's the greater calling. A lot of us can, it would be easy to choose to die for the Lord, but are you willing to live for God? And anything that He calls you to do? The, the neat thing about these Examples that we have here, whether it be Jesus, he was willing to live as long until he was called to go to the cross. You've got Paul that was willing to live for the Lord. You've got the church of Philippi that was willing to live for the Lord. You've got um, Timothy. You've got Epaphrodite. All these these are men that were willing to live for the Lord. Christian, then the question comes back to us is, is my service, is my time that I'm willing to give to the Lord, am I willing to sacrifice everything for you, Jesus? And that's hard in, in light of the prayer this morning. Though it costs me everything, though it costs me the death of a child, will I still serve you, God? And that's not something that we all easily can answer right now. We can answer because we're removed from the situation. But if something that heartfelt hurt and that loss happened within your life, are you still going to serve God? Are you still going to look and say, I know God loves me? How do you know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. I know God loves me because Jesus was willing to go to a cross for me. Jesus was willing to look at the sacrifice and say, you know what? I hate sin so much that I'm going to be obedient to God and I'm going to die on a cross for their sin. That's the ultimate sign of love. And when you, I don't understand the things that are going on in the world and I don't understand the things that are going on in my life, the one thing that I do understand is God. He loves me. He has a plan somehow for my life. And God, since you were willing to do that for me and you were willing to have Jesus die for my sacrifice, then I'm willing to give my life back to you to do whatever service that you called me to do. Christian, this morning, what service has he called you to do? Where has he called you to go? What things has he asked you to do? What things has he asked you to give up?
What things are you willing to put on the altar to be able to say, Lord, this is yours. You do with it what you want. I don't care because ultimately I love you and I want to serve you to the best ability that I can. What's on your altar this morning? Are you willing to pray about it? I pray that you do because I know that God has got a plan for your life. And again, it's not one to prosper, not one to, to put you on siesta key and to, to give you millions of dollars and win the lottery and all that stuff. It's one to, to let you know that you have a place to go for eternity. He's got a mansion for you. Again, I don't worry about the mansion. I just want to be inside the pearly gates personally, but that's all I'm shooting for. If he wants to bless me anything other than that, that's on you, God. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on the other side of the fence. Christian, pray about that. Pray about what the Lord wants you to do and how I can serve him better. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.